This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Wednesday afternoon. Yes, what a beautiful day. This truly is summer, and I know we've been talking about the heat wave, but you have to remember we have had some cooler summers in the past. And actually, later this afternoon, I'm going to be talking with Environment Canada's David Phillips just how unique this is when it comes to warm temperatures in Calgary. Because I know we will be complaining about it, but hey, it is awfully nice when we've got temperatures this warm. Of course, temperatures this warm also mean we have very dry conditions. We have had very little precipitation in the province, and we know what's been happening in Alberta. I've lost track how many wildfires they are fighting there. But there is a concern. We've got the fire bans in our province Bigger concern, though, that if you have such an extended period of dry conditions, what that could mean for wildfires. And it's not that long ago when we talk about Fort McMurray, Slave Lake. What steps are in place to ensure that we actually have some form of protection? And how are we moving ahead when it comes to protecting about future wildfires? I'm going to be talking with uh, someone from Fire Smart Canada, Laura Stewart. We are just uh, reaching out to Laura because there have been some concrete measures that have been put in place right across the country, in particular B.C. and Alberta in wooded areas and wooded communities on how they change things. And I want to introduce Laura Stewart to our show. Hello, Laura. Hi, thank you for having me. Laura is the president of FireSmart Canada. Laura, for my listeners who aren't familiar with your organization, give me a little bit of background. Sure, actually. Uh, FireSmart Canada was founded right here in Alberta uh, back in 1990 in, in in a response to increasing uh, wildfires impacting communities in the province of Alberta. Uh, Since then, we've actually become a national not-for-profit, and we have representation from municipalities, provinces, and territories, as well as as federal partners um, that are involved with the organization. And our goal is to educate homeowners and residents and communities on the things that they can do to reduce the impacts of wildfire on their home and communities, and, and really make them aware that there are simple things that we can do as residents and homeowners uh, to reduce the risk of wildfire impacting us. Was there anything in particular in 1990 that uh, forced or had the formation of FireSmart? Uh, there have been several fires um, in the province and as well as across Western Canada um, that had impacted communities, and, and it was just in response to that and the realization that most likely it was going to continue, and and and, and obviously it has. And I don't think we've uh, we all know that we haven't seen the last of wildfires impacting communities um, internationally all over the globe, uh, and and we have to do something about it. And and Fire Smart Canada um, develops resources and programs and tools that empower homeowners as well as municipalities to take ownership of the wildfire risk. So when you hear of evacuations and fires that are burning in BC, what do you think? Are are, are those communities, have they done everything they can to ensure that when a fire hits, it's not going to be as devastating as maybe it would have been before Fire Smart Canada was around? Well, I think that 
FireSmart uh, in, in in both the, in the province of Alberta um, is a very strong program, and it's something that's well recognized and has been strongly used. I don't think that anybody ever expects a wildfire to impact them uh, the way that it has in you know especially this year in in BC. Um, but there are things as a homeowner that we can do uh, to reduce the risk of wildfire impacting us, and and it's not an easy thing. And I think there's often um, we quite often find that there's an expectation um, that the firefighters are going to come, they're going to put out the fire, and uh, they're going to look after my house. But it's really important that we start to shift the mentality and the way that we think and realize that in a situation where multiple structures are burning and when a wildfire encroaches and, and impacts a community, firefighting resources are quickly going to become overwhelmed. So we need to shift that responsibility back onto us as homeowners and realize that we need to take ownership of this. And there's simple things that you can do around your property and good choices that you can make with building materials that can dramatically increase the resiliency of your home and reduce the vulnerability. All the things, and I want you to get into more detail on on some of those things that homeowners can do, but are they all voluntary or has your organization also worked in ensuring regulations are changed, especially when it comes to building materials? That is a, an excellent question, and it's something that um, the FireSmart program has seven discipline or seven seven key focus areas that we focus on, of which one of them is legislation, mm-hmm. uh, and legislation being the ability for a municipality to regulate the way in which homes are constructed and the way in which properties are landscaped, and, and we really encourage that and say, think that it's important. We need to start with the way the home is built and the way that the property is maintained and landscaped. Currently in Canada, uh, the National Building Code doesn't have a component that addresses wildfire. However, that is changing. Um, there is currently a national initiative underway. Um, we can anticipate an update to the National Building Code in 2020. Uh, and with that, there's an expectation that um, they're going to take sort of a climate adaptation approach to that update to the National Building Code. And with that, there'll be modules for the various hazards that we deal with, uh, one of which being being wildfire. Um, it will then be up to the individual provinces to determine whether or not they need to or want to apply mm. um, that particular module. But um, here in Alberta, we're going to be, um, of course, looking at that very, very closely. So at this point, Alberta, when it comes to regulations, um, what have we got as far as protecting homeowners or ensuring homeowners are using the best materials to prevent devastation? One the, the big focus is on education and homeowner education. And, and as you mentioned earlier, it is completely voluntary yeah. and it isn't currently regulated. Um, but but we do have an expansive education program across the province where um, municipal fire departments and provincial wildfire management uh, representatives are constantly reaching out to homeowners and providing them with the tools, resources, and information that they need to make solid decisions when, when maintaining their properties, building properties, and perhaps updating their properties as well. Um, but there are different other things that we we do do uh, provincially, such as uh, the provincial fire ban system. And um, really there we're looking to uh, reduce human-caused wildfires. I mean, there's not a lot that we can do about lightning-caused wildfires. Yeah. Actually, there's nothing we can do. But up to 60% of our, our wildfires on average are caused by humans. And through the uh, fire ban system, we're able to regulate that a little bit and, and, and control that. 
Um, so currently in the Calgary forest area, in the southern portion of the Calgary forest area, uh, there is a full fire ban in place, um, which means that no fire whatsoever is, is permitted of any kind. Uh, and then on the northern portion of the Calgary forest area, uh, we have what's called a fire restriction. And with that, uh, fires are not permitted in the backcountry. No open burning is permitted unless you're in a designated campground in a designated fire pit and anything outside of that um, is, is strictly prohibited at this time. And the, the best place to find ongoing and up-to-date information on the fire ban system and situation in the province is to visit albertafirebans.ca. Now, now I want to get into more, and and I, I still want to touch on that more regulation has to be there. And I know a big part of you, as you say, it's education, awareness, but... It, we know that in BC, there's going to be communities that have been hit with fires repeatedly, almost it seems every summer, and and then in the end, I think we all end up paying because we all end up paying higher insurance premiums uh, because there's been this devastation. So I, I almost think, and I know you didn't come on here to talk about that, but I I do have a strong opinion that I think we have to do more to ensure that communities are prepared, especially in areas when we have seen time and time again they are uh, the victims of wildfires. But Laura, then tell me as a homeowner, what would we see to ensure that we limit the uh, the damage that is caused by wildfires? Absolutely. So the Fire Smart program has uh, what we call the home ignition zone. And this starts with your structure. So it's your home or the, or the building in which you live and moves out through three priority zones from um, the, the, the structure. And managing fuels and vegetation within that those home igni- the home ignition zone is critical to um, in preparing your home for wildfire readiness um, and, and really determines your home accessibility to ignition uh, during a wildfire. Science and research and experience through, through the various wildfire disasters that we've had in Canada has taught us that by maintaining a combustible-free zone 0 to 1.5 meters away from our home is critical in reducing the risk of wildfire impacting our, our home. So simple things. We all, everybody across Canada, I think, when it comes to landscaping, seems to be drawn towards products that are materials such as junipers and bark mulch. These are gasoline tanks. They're, they're highly flammable, highly combustible. And by using these products in our landscaping choices, we're just increasing the fuel load that's surrounding our structure. And then anywhere on our home, it's, it's, I always, we have a lot of product, uh, resources and guidebooks that are available through Fire Smart Canada that kind of walk you through step by step the things that you can do when assessing the hazard on your home and make suggestions on ways in which you can reduce the hazard. But simple things, I, I always say there's three categories um, and, and our, our tagline is Fire Smart Begins at Home and there's, there's three categories. There's immediate things that you can do tomorrow or even tonight when you get home from work um, that are dramatically going to reduce the risk of, of wildfire to your home and property. Then there's some, the next step is to change your routine maintenance and put on that fire smart lens when you're maintaining your property on an ongoing basis. And then there's those long-term planning items. The long-term planning items often come with a little bit more of a, of a price tag, and they include some upgrades to non-combustible materials. So um, the roof is the most vulnerable component of your home, and, and research has taught this taught us this. Um, when we're dealing with a, an intense wildfire, it's not usually a wildfire galloping up a home and, and, and encroaching on the home. It's the, what we call the little things or, or embers or, or firebrands that accumulate in spots on the home that are vulnerable and cause the home to ignite. 
So if your roof is has a cedar shake roof or if you have a Class C or Class B um, asphalt shingle that's in poor repair and has some gaps and openings on it, that is an extremely vulnerable point on your home. So by taking the time to upgrade long-term, make a plan. And when I upgrade my roof, I'm going to choose a Class A non-combustible asphalt shingle uh, to upgrade my roof. And the reason I'm doing this is because I'm going to reduce the risk of wildfire to my home and property. The second most vulnerable component of your your home is, is the siding, and that's a, a, a close second. Now, if you're in a property that's in the middle, in, a, on a, in an acreage community, the concern with structure to structure spread is not as high. But but if you are in a community that's denser um, in population and, and where the, the spatial separation between homes is far less, the siding quickly becomes a concern. And, and if one home has ignited and your home is adjacent to it and you have a product such as vinyl siding on, on your siding, that vinyl siding is going to quickly melt off from the radiant heat um, from the adjacent home or it could melt off if your juniper in the front yard um, lights on fire and starts to, to throw some heat towards the house. It can melt and expose the home. So um, making choices such as fiber cement board, um, hardy plank, stucco brick for your siding when upgrading is also uh, another good choice. Um, the third really key one is, is your deck. Um, decks are a big slat of wood that is um, mm. immediately attached to your home. Um, so ensuring that your deck, if you can't at this time upgrade to a composite deck, um, if you have a wood deck, just keep it clean. And after the party's over or the barbecue's over, um, take back all of those combustible materials, um, such as yarn, lawn furniture, uh, patio furniture. You may have some toys that were out there, decorative pieces. Um, all of those can accumulate with embers, ignite, and start to throw radiant heat towards the house or even embers towards the house and cause the house to burn down. So by, by clearing all of that, keeping it clean, r- regularly removing debris, and also making sure that that place that where we all store everything and anything under the deck um, is, is clean and clear and free of, of combustible debris is, is also another important piece. And, and the last one is your fence. So wooden fences most cost affordable. Um, they're the most often cho- chosen um, material. However, a wooden fence is an, and that is directly attached to your home essentially acts as a wick um, right to your house. So if you do have a wooden deck, uh, or sorry, wooden fence, um, maintaining the vegetation on on either side of the fence and making sure that it's down to at least 10 centimeters on either side of the, of the fence um, is, is critical, um, as well as considering when it's time to, to maybe perhaps do an upgrade or, or if your, your budget allows for it, um, having a metal gate that attaches to your house as opposed to the wood deck and having that extend for 1.5 meters, mm. creating that buffer and that barrier. So um, these are, are bigger picture items that, you know, take some investment and, and, uh, and certainly have a, a budget attached to them. But everything else that I've talked about really just requires um, a weekend, some friends, roll up the sleeves, have a barbecue and get cleaning and remove and reduce the amount of combustible fuel and vegetation that surrounds your property, your home specifically, as well as your property. Laura, all good information. I want to take a break here. And afterwards, though, um, obviously, we're, we're talking to a, an urban audience. Uh, are these things that we should be thinking of in urban areas or just, as you mentioned, acreages or areas that might be prone to wildfires? Laura Stewart is my guest this half hour, the president of Fire Smart Canada. Back after this. 
Laura Stewart is the president of FireSmart Canada, and uh, we are just talking about FireSmart communities. And Laura, even when you were listing off all those things that people should do, and I know it seems fairly straightforward, but to me, if you are in a community that is surrounded by forest, I think it only makes sense that this would be regulations that you've got to ensure this is how your home is built and the vegetation surrounding it. But are you saying even in BC there aren't communities that have some hard, fast rules when it comes to that? No, there, and it really relies quite heavily on the National Building Code. That's sort of the driver mm. for any changes that are going to happen at the provincial level uh, or even, uh, and certainly at the municipal level. So um, if we look um, mo- across the country, um, provinces, territories model their and, and adapt their building codes uh, and model them after the National Building Code. And, and currently, at this moment in time, um, the, the National Building Code doesn't address um, the wildland urban interface. That being said, um, that's going to change and, and, and we will see changes which will then allow provinces, municipalities um, to, to have the authority to, or have the ability, I should say, um, to, to regulate um, building materials and, and construction standards within within the wildland urban interface. So there's a lot of exciting things that will be coming up over the next, the course of the next year. Um, the the, wild, the National Building Code is, is set to be updated in 2020, um, and as I mentioned before, there's going to be various modules um, based, based on various hazards. So there'll be a flood module, um, tornado, earthquake, flood, uh, as well as, as the wildland urban interface and wildfire. And we can expect that, um, we anticipate, I should say, that the wildfire module be, will be the first um, that's released. Like even when you look at Slave Lake or Fort McMurray, uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, did they, moving forward, say any new construction has to have these parameters? Well, it's not up to the municipality. Uh, uh, back it, to it, the building it, code? It, it goes back to the building code. Um, but that being said, um, both uh, the regional municipality of Wood Buffalo and Slave Lake yeah. are two communities that are very committed to their fire smart programs and have had uh, aggressive and very creative and impactful education programs within their communities. And they've done a tremendous job and continue to do a tremendous job um, educating homeowners. And, and I do know that um, both communities are, are looking at amending um, bylaws to um, in- incorporate fire smart standards. There's nothing they can do on the structural side, but when it comes to landscaping and so on, um, there are certain things that, that they do have the ability. But as with any piece of legislation, it, it takes time to get to get those types of things through. Um, and uh, and I, But I do know that, that both municipalities are, are certainly looking at it. Laura, thanks so much for your time today. No, thank you. I appreciate your time. Laura Stewart, she is with Fire Smart Canada. After the break... I want to talk about the cougar shooting earlier today, and I want to get your opinion. 403-974-8255. You're listening to Calgary Today. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott. Weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.